It's just been an amazing week. An amazing week of walking in the reality of God's provision to get us through whatever it is that we're facing. Stories have unfolded starting on Monday all the way through the week of God being so helpful. God being that one who continues to provide the way. In situations where there was a diagnosis from a doctor, scheduled surgery, financial situations, some stories that just are incredible of how God is putting this in our hearts. We have a God who is for us and not against us. We have a God who loves us. A God who has proven by His character and nature to never leave us nor forsake us. Please let your heart abide in the shadow of that kind of truth and that kind of presence. Because the Lord is that Emmanuel, the one who is with us Closer than we could ever imagine. You see, that is the key. I'm thankful for a a guy like Joseph and the story of his life being presented for us on the pages of Scripture. Now, logic would say when your brothers throw you in a pit, they leave you there to die. Even when you're screaming for your life, they refuse to listen. And the only reason they get you out of that pit is to sell you into slavery, which is like throwing you into another deep, dark place. When the battle is prolonged, and things don't seem to be changing, I wouldn't find it abnormal to see Joseph just kind of bewildered there in that foreign place where nothing is like it used to be. So despairing to where when he speaks, all he says is it's over. I had a family. I even had a dream. But there is no way that that can ever happen. Look at where I am now. Look at what is going on. Look at this circumstance. It would be normal to see that he is making every effort just to survive. We wouldn't expect to find him thriving. We wouldn't expect to find him in a position of strength. We would expect to find him in a position of weakness, struggle, and depression. In Genesis 39, we'll see just how he's doing. Because he's been lifted from the pit and sold into slavery. And the first verse of Genesis 39 says, When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that The Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly And his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. 
This guy's not just struggling to survive. We don't find him sitting on the porch, wringing his hands, saying, it's over. He's succeeding. He's thriving, advancing. But where his story parts company with all other success stories is when we read that the reason was by the presence of God. It says the Lord was with him. It's profound and it's important and it's God's challenge to us today. The Lord was with us so he succeeded. The Lord was with Joseph so he advanced. Even Potiphar saw that the Lord was with Joseph. Potiphar, who didn't know God, was blessed because of the blessing and the presence of God on Joseph. The difference maker in the life of Joseph was the presence of God. It's mentioned in rapid succession in this passage of Scripture. We will get through this. It's not over because the Lord's with us. When you believe that and you make God's presence your passion, then you have a whole different perspective of the crisis. You have a whole different receptivity to the presence of God in the crisis. If the Lord has put anything strong in my heart coming into this new year, Sunday after Sunday, it would be this. Make God's presence your passion. The Lord just put that in my heart. If I'll do that, everything else will take care of itself. I've made at times my career my passion, my giftings my passion, my talent, and developing that talent my passion. I've had hobbies that were a passion. I've had a lot of things in my life that were a passion, but I know that God is saying if I'll make His presence my passion, then I'll have the kind of success that pleases Him and advances the cause for which I'm alive. I shared this in our staff chapel. Every two weeks we have a staff chapel. We come together as pastors and assistants and we open up the word and I just bore my heart about making God's presence our passion. The Lord had a way of speaking that just going beyond my own sense of leading in my heart from God, it was the leading in everyone's heart. God had been saying it in so many ways to each one of our team members. What was normally a 30-minute chapel became an hour. And then where we normally go into a pastoral team meeting, we discuss, you know, the normal agenda. It was another two and a half hours just outpouring our heart and God coming strong among us. On Wednesday night, as I told you, our young people meet in this room and the Spirit of the Lord came in a powerful, profound way on Wednesday night. 271 children in Royal Rangers and Girls Ministry. Because when the Spirit of the Lord is at work, everything else takes care of itself. I was in a deacon meeting on Wednesday night and I shared this, this leading in my heart and the Spirit of the Lord came strong in our meeting. 
It was a powerful time in the presence of the Lord. I have moved with great expectation for today because I know that the Lord is here and I know that that is what makes the difference. You don't need another great sermon. You've heard great sermons. You don't need another great church service. You had great church services. What we all need is a divine manifestation of the presence of God. For you see, Joseph succeeded because the Lord was with him. It doesn't mention his leadership skill, his, it doesn't mention his organizational skill. It, it says he succeeded because the Lord was with him. Isn't it awesome to think that we will never go where God is not? And that all of us have equal access to the presence of God? We will never go where he is not. What a profound thought. Billions of people on this planet and every one of us have equal access to God's presence. Yet, we can live unaware of his presence. Oblivious to his presence. We can plod through life just trying to survive rather than thrive and succeed because we are aware and living by the empowerment of his presence. Thank you, Joseph. For reminding us to make God's presence our passion. Thank you, Moses, for showing us your honest heart in Exodus 3 when you were given a great challenge. And you said, how am I going to do this? Who am I to go stand in front of Pharaoh and declare that the Israelites should be set free? And when Moses needed everything, God gave him God. And he said, you go and my presence will be with you. For God set his people free. By the time you get to Exodus 33 and God says to Moses, I'm sending you into the promised land. You'll have houses you didn't build. You're going to have the harvest from crops you didn't plant. When enemies come against you, I'm going to give you victory. But I'm not going with you. I'm not going. And Moses says, well, Lord, then don't send us. Lord, if we can't have you with us, then a future of even promised success is not a future that we desire. The man in Exodus 3 who was trying to figure out how life works by Exodus 33 understood and had learned the lesson. And he said, Lord, one step forward without your presence is not a step we want to take. Even if you promise us victory, even if you promise us blessing, if we don't have you, then don't send us. We don't want to move from this very spot. Thank you, Moses, for reminding us to make God's presence our passion. David, who failed God miserably, went into his own Egypt by the sin of immorality comes to a place of genuine repentance. And you get to see that true, honest repentance in line after line of Psalm 51. And it's very important for us to remember that when he comes to a part of that prayer about God's presence, he says to God, Lord, take not thy spirit from me. 
He doesn't ask him about the crown or the position or the palace. He says, Lord, here's what I'm crying out. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Thank you, David, for reminding us that the most important thing and what matters most is the presence of God. May we hear that among us as a church family. In all of our ministries and activities and planning and scheduling, what is most important is the presence of God. I pray that as we see this, it would become our passion. Where you see when you're in a crisis, there are things you need. It could be very possible that one of the things you need in the present crisis is more money, different job, maybe a counselor, a different schedule, a new plan, a different routine. All of those are good things. But here's my challenge to us today. That before we need any of those things, we need the presence of God. Before I need to connect with another person or get a new plan, I need Him. More than anything. For Joseph succeeded not by his plan, not by the people in his life, not by his own talent. Joseph succeeded by the presence of the Lord. How will I get through this? How do I live with this attitude that says it's not over? God's with me. It's not ended. Matter of fact, it's even a fresh and new beginning. Only by having that quickened to my heart by the presence of God. That is the only way. Oh God, what we need more than anything is your presence. Talking about the presence, let me try and communicate in a way that helps us to put our hearts into this. When we come into a crisis, we have an option to be like the rock or the sponge. If we look at this water as the presence of God, we can be like the rock, and even though the rock is surrounded by the water, no matter how long the rock is in the water, if we were to break the rock open, the rock is dry because there, there's no potential for infiltration. It is hardened against that which is able to infiltrate. So though it's in it, it's not receiving anything from it. It may be in church. It may be in the omnipotence of God. God is everywhere all the time. But just because I go to church or because I'm in the presence of God because He's everywhere all the time doesn't mean that that is making its way to my heart to resource my thoughts with faith and a great expectation. Or I can be like the sponge, which when I immerse myself in the presence of God, it's not just all around me, it fills me. And then when there's added pressure, 
It is the content of the character of Christ filling me that then flows through me so that I'm still a witness even while I'm wounded. This is the critical choice. Because we all know that when we're hurting, and we have questions, it's easy to get into a soul depravity. And our spirit gets heavy. And cynicism, anger, frustration, and bitterness can set up in our heart. And though we're in the presence, the presence isn't working in us, so we just survive. It is obvious that Joseph was allowing the presence to infiltrate his heart. That's why in Genesis 39 we find him succeeding. Now this is interesting. Joseph was in Egypt. That's not his home. He's in a foreign place. They even speak a language that he wasn't raised with. See, when you come into a crisis, it's foreign to you. You're trying to find a category for it in your mind. And then you try to find a way to talk about it. You don't even want to find language for it. It's even frustrating to, to think that you now have to figure out a way to discuss this. Even have to process it. And then to give an explanation or at least give language to it. Who wants to do that? And yet that's what a crisis calls for. And we're right at this place of a choice. Will we allow the cynicism, the frustration, and the pain to close us? To where we resist the work of God's presence in us? Or will we remain receptive so that we can have what it is we need? That will both sustain us and deliver us. David and his mighty men, they encountered the attack of the enemy. Their homes were burned to the ground. Imagine going back to your neighborhood today and your home's been burned to the ground and your family's been kidnapped. That was what happened to David and his men. So David and his men, they've got the same crisis. His men get together and start questioning they're trying to find a category for it. They're trying to find language for it. And in their pain, they start planning revenge. Yet David has a completely different response. The Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. Same crisis, just a different choice. I want to be sensitive with this when I say you're not the only person who's gone through a struggle. Sometimes when we go through a crisis, we can feel isolated and like no one really understands. But in reality, everybody's gone through a crisis. There are a lot of people in tough situations right now. Joseph was abandoned. Joseph was abused. There was injustice in his life. All of us to talk about the harsh realities of a circumstance that brought about those thoughts. And so, people that are thriving are not people unscathed. 
people that are bitter in heart are, peop- are not just people that they went through the hard times. The other people didn't. No, we all go through the valley. It's whether or not we know he's with us to bring us through the valley. Or whether we start interpreting that the valley is something we've got to get through in our own ability. Then we start rebuking the valley. We get mad at the valley. Why this? Why now? Why us? And we close off to the very thing that was going to give us the power to get through it. It's a very real challenge when we come to this whole idea of making God's presence our passion. As we're processing all of these thoughts, if I'm resistant in that soul depravity, frustration, anger, and anxiety heightened, heightened. But if I am like the sponge, I learn about a soul prosperity. I learn about a table prepared before me in the presence of my enemies. I learn about the God of the valley. I learn about the shepherd of Shadow Valley. I learn about the Emmanuel factor. When my mind races with questions of which I find no answers. I learn about the sustenance that is a result of the presence of God. Presence of the If we want to be receptive, then what would be a leading to get into that position, that attitude, that heart? So that when the next chapter of our life is written, it could be said of us as it was of Joseph, that the Lord was with us. So we succeeded. I think when we're in the crisis, we have to cling to the character of God. And as I cling to the character of God, what I'm doing is immersing myself in the presence of God. And I'm receiving what I need from the presence of God. When I'm in the crisis, there's so much that I don't know. But there are some things I do know. There's so much that I don't know of the crisis, but there's so much of the character of God. Instead of immersing myself in all of the questions of why, I immerse myself in the truth of God's character and nature. When a crisis comes, everything is changing. It's then that I need to rehearse what I know that never changes. As I've received... Negative news that unfolded my life into a crisis over the years. I had an option. Try to logically process the crisis and end up with the frustration and perhaps even the bitterness. Or immerse myself in what I know to be true about the character and nature of God until His presence is helping me to set things right internally so that then there's an influence of my life even in the time of trouble. I think that it would be good for us just to make a list when we're in a crisis 
You start making a list about the character and nature of God, the things that never change. When I'm in a crisis, God's still sovereign. When I'm in a crisis, His word is still true. When I'm in a crisis, the grave is still just a temporary holding place for the body. I'm just one heartbeat away from heaven. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ still saves sinners. God is still God. God is still good. God is still faithful. Angels still answer to his call. God's plan is still in place. Providence is still written over my life. He's still the shepherd of my soul. He's still the savior from my sin. He is still the healer of my heart and my body. He is still my soon and coming king. He is still the God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever who was, who is, and is to come. He is still the unchangeable, immovable God who loves me and cares about me. Crisis doesn't change the character and the nature of God. So I want to immerse myself in what doesn't change. When so many other things are changing, let me be anchored by that and by who never changes. He never changes. Hallelujah. He's still the same. He'll be the same. I don't care what this economy does. I don't care who inhabits the White House in a few months. God, let that day come. I'm sick of all this stuff. I don't care what all of these companies do. I'm telling you, when God is our source and our resource, your emotions are not attached to what's happening around you. Your emotions are governed by the God who indwells you. Oh, for us as believers to learn as Paul did, to be content, whether he had a lot or very little. He learned. May we learn. He learned. May we learn. To whatever situation, to be content. It's in that chapter that he goes on to say... For my God shall supply all of my needs. If we just believe that. If we as a church would believe that. That God will supply all of our needs. And it's according to his riches and glory. Paul goes on to say, I can do all things through Christ. Come on church. You see, that's a whole different way of living. We are Christ ambassadors if you go to D.C., you can go down Ambassador's Road. All these countries have built these incredible, lavish homes where their ambassadors live. If you go to foreign countries, you'll see where our ambassador lives. And I want to tell you, our ambassador over in another country, he's not living by the economy of that country. He is not provided for by what's happening in that country because that's not the country of his citizenship. He is a citizen of this country, and so because he's an ambassador, a representative, he is supported and provided for by the home country, the country of his citizenship. Bring it into the context of truth. We are citizens of heaven. Our provision, our support, everything we need comes from our home country. It's called heaven. It's called the blessing of God. You're not alone, isolated, or broken. You are a victor and overcomer by the provision of the presence of God. That is the truth. 
That is the life-giving truth today. You see, there have been saints who have gone on before us. There were times they had nothing. But they still had their joy. And they still had victory. Because they learned the profound influence of God's presence. And they made His presence their passion. They didn't let blessing or lack determine who they are and who they would be. They didn't let a crisis define them. They let the presence of God define them and refine them. And they've come forth. They've come forth because God brings us through. They came forth as gold. Just immerse yourself in the presence of God. See, it's not over. You'll get through this. It won't be easy, and it may not be quick, but you will get through this. It's not over. You will get through this. We're not going to be foolish. We're not going to be naive, but we know God's going to turn this for His glory and our good. It's not over. We will get through this by God's help. By God's presence, we will get through this. Red seas, fiery furnaces, lion's den. It is not too difficult for the presence of God. The battles of the Old Testament, the very battles of our life, have been won by the intervention of the presence of God. I'm saved today because the Lord came to me. He found me. His presence overwhelmed me. And His grace saved me. I've been provided for all along the way. When I've gotten calls that broke my heart, it was the presence of the Lord that sustained me. It wasn't a book on my shelf. It wasn't somebody I know. It was the presence of the Lord that sustained me. I've been in church life where it's high times in church life. And I've been at times where I didn't even want to go to church. The only reason I went because I was the pastor. And I want to tell you the difference is the presence of God. The difference is the presence of the Lord. I don't care. I don't care what it is you're going through. If you will open your heart to the presence of the Lord, He will lift your soul. He will strengthen your soul. He will nourish your soul. He will provide for you. He is with you. He will lead you. A good brother came to me after the service, the 9 o'clock gathering. He said, while you're preaching, the Lord just reminded me how... We've kind of gone through a weather change. It was kind of warm now. It's kind of cold. And if you didn't bring a coat, then that cold air, it can have a greater impact. But if, if you've got something to wrap up in, then even though the circumstance has changed, you're still warm. And if we can just know that His presence is an abiding a surrounding presence. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my strength, He is my refuge. The presence of the Lord, it says in Psalm 41, He's a present help in the time of need. Be still and know that I am God. I am the God of Jacob. Hmm, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You surround me. You envelop me. You overwhelm me. You surprise me. You're on my left and you're on my right. 
You're beneath me. You're above me. You're behind me. You are in front of me. Where can I go from your presence? Your presence is in the living room, the boardroom, the classroom. It's on the roadways. Your presence is everywhere. Where can I go from your presence? Where can I go? When I'm trying to find the language, new language, because there's a, a diagnosis, a, there's divorce or even death, it is your presence. It is your presence. It is your presence that surrounds me. And Kelly and I had our first baby. They, 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 the nurse could just wrap up that baby in a blanket and get everything tucked in. I could never do that. It was frustrating. And, and I, babies like that. They like that. That blanket because it's all around them. Do you understand? Do you understand today that the presence of the Lord just immerse yourself in the presence of the Lord? Pastor, how do I do that? Just go over who He is. Savior, healer, provider, king, peace, joy, strength, life, hope, power. Go over who he is, and you'll be immersing yourself in the waters of life, in the power of his presence. And you'll know that you know that you know he's with you. It lifts your expectation. It'll change the way you see things. It will change the way you speak about things. You will move about in your circumstances speaking death, but you're speaking life. Your circumstance says it's over, but you're saying, no, it's not. Your circumstance says you'll never get through this, but you say, yes, I will. It won't be easy. It won't be quick. But I know by God's presence and power, I will get through this. You've got a substance. It's as real to you as the circumstance. There's an evidence in your spirit that God's going to bring you through. And so you are walking by faith. The substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not yet seen. You're not walking by sight. You are walking by faith. And you talk now like it's then. And you've got joy in the midst of your problem. You've got peace in the midst of the storm. You've got strength when you should be weak. You've got a shout of praise when you should have just a voice of despair. Because of the presence. The presence of the Lord. With the lights coming down. I want you to watch this video. It was June 9th and Ricardo and I were actually headed into the airport. I was going with him to the airport to take him to uh, Jacksonville, Florida for the National Day of Prayer. And I got a phone call as we were driving from uh, the friend of one of our sons. He was at their house swimming. And all she said on the other end of the line was, Jeanette, there's, Jeanette, there's been an accident. And I could hear commotion in the background. And she said, your son Josiah dove into the shallow end of a pool. And he's not good. I'm getting ready for the National Day of Prayer in Jacksonville. And as I call home, you know, Jeanette is distraught. And um, my wife is uh, a rock. She uh, doesn't get rattled very easy. So when I heard that in her voice, I knew something drastically was wrong. And um, she went on to tell me that the paramedics just took our son. 
and um, air-vacked into Scottish Hospital. And then she said the words, um, they're saying the worst. And that's all she could really get out. And um, I hung up the phone, uh, got on my knees in the terminal, and uh, just started praying, you know? And I literally was laying on the floor. Um, people must have thought I was out of my mind, but I was, I really was. Because I couldn't comprehend or ever conceive something like this happening to one of my sons. You know, as a mom watching your son take off in a helicopter saying, Mommy, don't leave me, is just heart-wrenching. And so we got to the hospital and still didn't know, and EMTs had ripped his shirt off, and they were running all these kind of tests. And we had come to find out later that he had actually broken his C3, C4, C5, and C6. And um, they were the, the same ones that actually put Christopher Reeves in a wheelchair. And we still hadn't heard any positive news. Doctors still weren't giving us anything. We had just sent out a text just saying, they're saying the worst. Please pray. Please pray for our son. We got a phone call out of the blue from a doctor we didn't even know that was a friend of the family and said, I spoke to the emergency room. I want you to know your son is going to be okay. And just that breath of hope of just going, God, you're so good. And hearing those words, your son is going to be okay, was one of those moments that you just exhale a sigh of relief. And, you know, Ricardo said it best later when we were reflecting on it all. It almost feels like we had just walked through a gauntlet of grace. And we were so overwhelmed with kindness and love from friends and family and church members. And I'll never forget, there was a, a gal and her daughter that walked into the hospital one morning. And um, I saw them and just gave them a hug, just weeping. And, and she said, Jeanette, I want you to know that both my daughter and I had a dream last night, the same dream. And we woke up and we saw Josiah at the bottom of that pool. And we saw an angel there picking him up. And that angel said, it's not over. And we just knew as Ricardo had said in sharing this story in this song, that there was a testimony out there for people who maybe feel broken, who feel like it's over, who, you know, don't know where their hope is, that God is faithful and just and gracious, and uh, Josiah is okay, and he's going to walk, and he's doing amazing, and all the doctors have said he's nothing but a complete miracle. If you, you may not have a broken neck, but you may have a broken heart. And I'm just here to say that Jesus can fix that and also that it's not over. His mom and dad went on to write a song. That song has already ministered to us today. It's going to minister to us again. They're learning. What so many of us learn along the way is that what the enemy meant for evil, God meant it for good. To bring about this present result. Ricardo and his wife had no idea when they were going through that struggle that then God would give them a song and that would be the theme of a sermon and that that video would be shown in this church. None of us have ever met them. And yet here they are ministering. Because they found God's presence in their crisis. And God hasn't wasted it. God has used it. He's bringing them through it. It hasn't been easy. And it hasn't been quick. And they still have a long way to go. But God's working. Instead of finding them in despair, the Genesis 39 of their life, we're finding they're succeeding. Because the Lord's with them. Would you just close your eyes and here is the course of the song they wrote yeah, out of that crisis. 
It's not over. It's not finished. It's not ending. It's only the beginning when God is in it. It's not over. It's not find yourself in a crisis and rather than be resistant you want to be receptive you just want to immerse your heart in his presence to be encouraged to be strengthened today and as we sing it again I'm going to ask you to find the nearest aisle and come forward you may be like Moses and there's an assignment and it's a daunting task and you need to immerse yourself that it's by the Spirit of the Lord that you're going forward. It's not you, it's Him. Maybe you're like Joseph. You're just in a deep, dark place and you need to discover God's presence so that you continue to thrive and succeed. Maybe you're like David. You've really messed up and you realize that you certainly can't afford to lose that relationship with Jesus his presence like David you want to repent or like Moses you want to say help me Lord like Joseph you want to say God be my strength in the struggle I just ask you to make his presence your passion as we sing it again if you fit one of those categories I want to ask you to come And I want you to stand along the front of this platform area. And I'm going to pray with you. And I can promise you, I promise you, you're going to sense the fresh touch of God. I know that you already sense that. Just come as they sing. It's not over. It's not finished. It's not ending. Only the beginning. It's only the beginning. God is in it. It's not over. No, no. It's not finished. That's prophecy. It's not ending. It's only the beginning. It's only the beginning. When God is in it. It's not over. It's not over. It's not 